You are listening to a live message from Gold Street Garden Church with Dr. Dominic Butler. We are thrilled to have you join us for today's message. Our prayer is that you would see Jesus clearer than ever before and your desire to know him personally would increase in Jesus' name. Amen. For more information about the church, you can go to goldstreetgarden.com. Well, how many people enjoyed Minister Roy Fields last week? <laughs> that was so great. He, I got to talk with him uh, afterwards a few times, and he was so elated to be here. He had such a wonderful time, and he will be back. And uh, we can all, we'll all just bring our sleeping bags next time. <laughs> just let it go. We'll just let it go. <laughs> uh, there's nothing like the presence of God. And that's what we're, anybody that is, that we have come in here and speak, it's just so beautiful that we all have one goal, lift up the name of Jesus and have people experience his glorious presence. People need Jesus. Tonight, I want to talk about the feet of Jesus. And when we talk about this, I want you to understand that the feet of Jesus is is mentioned so many times in the Gospels, and we're going to go through as many passages tonight as possible. But the, what we're going to do, just to give you an, an outline the way the Lord's revealed it to me, is every passage that talks about the feet of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to go through what the heart was exposed to or what Jesus dealt with regarding to an encounter with someone coming to the feet of Jesus. And this is so important in this hour that we see this because if you're at the feet of Jesus, every time you look up, you'll see him. If you're at the feet of Jesus, every time you'll look up, you'll see him. But there's so many people that are everywhere but the feet of Jesus. And they look up and they wonder where God's at, but they don't understand that to, to, to remain at the feet of Jesus there's a price attached to that. And that's why we've been in a, a Holy Ghost series called Discipline of Delight. That it's not only disciplining yourself to delight. No, it's actually delighting in him makes you disciplined. When you delight in him, you actually become disciplined to live holy. You no longer have to say, when you wake up, I'm going to live holy, I'm going to live holy, I'm going to live holy, I'm going to live holy. Not going to sin today. Not going to sin today. No. That's actually worshiping the problem. You don't need to run from sin. You just need to run to him. Amen. He's so amazing. That's the greatest breakthrough I have in my life. <laughs> like, what's your secret, Tom? Jesus is amazing. <laughs> You look like you have a crazy look in your eye, Dom. He's that amazing. You need to understand. He is everything. The Bible says that he fills all in all. That means any vacancy in your life, any, anything that doesn't feel fulfilled, seem fulfilled, it just means it's a room that Jesus has not been invited into. He fulfills everything. And we'll go through those scriptures just so you know I'm not making it up. But I want to I want to say this. There is nothing greater you can do with your life. There's nothing greater you can do with your life than to lay it at the feet of Jesus. Amen. There's nothing greater. There's no higher call than to throw yourself at his feet. It's the highest calling. But what we don't realize is in, in the body of Christ, and I'm not going to get on this too long, but people fight over callings at the feet of Jesus. Why does he get to do that? Why is that happening? Why am I not there? Why is this? This happens all the time. It, it just goes here. Let me say this. If you need people's attention, it just reveals God doesn't have yours. I'm going to say that again. If you need people's attention, it just reveals God doesn't have yours. I think I got to say it again. <laughs> if you need people's attention, it just reveals God doesn't have your attention. Yeah. 
You don't need people to say, way to go. Awesome. My greatest moments in life are just me and him. The secret place. Jesus, before he went to the cross, his moment in the Garden of Gethsemane, he had three of his closest friends. John, Peter, and James, they're all right there. He's like, pray. He goes and having his most darkest moment, and they're sleeping. They're not even with him. They're not even there. But Jesus is having the most important experience before the cross. And you are going to have moments where nobody will be there for you except for him. But I'm here to tell you, when you have him, you have the majority. You have everything you need when he is there with you. And if the church would realize this, we wouldn't get offended. I love what Todd White says. He says, how can you ever be rejected if you're already accepted in him? How could you ever allow somebody's rejection of you do something to your heart when he accepts you? You're accepted in the beloved. Hallelujah. At the feet of Jesus, heaven becomes now. At the feet of Jesus, the world fades away. At the feet of Jesus is the genesis of clarity. It's fresh breath. At the feet of Jesus. Even tonight, I have to when 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 we worship, I I very I know that he's always with me, but I really try to be extremely sensitive to when the king walks into the room. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if you get that, but I know he's with me. I know he's, I know the Holy Spirit's in me, but there are moments corporately where I am just waiting because you can sense, okay, this isn't hype. This isn't, he's here. He fills all in all. When he enters the room, remember, I don't know if you remember this, but in Exodus 33, When Moses asked to see God, God says, you can't see my face and live. If you want King James, thou canst not live. (laughs) That's pretty serious. Isn't that a big, big change in difference though? Because in the Garden of Eden, if you eat the tree, you'll die. But when sin entered the picture, you can't see me or you'll die. But here's the thing, the beautiful reality in the new covenant is that we get to see him with unveiled face and we do die. We die to ourselves. That in the vision, a Shane and Shane song, I love it. They have, it's called a, the vision of you. And the chorus says, the vision, let the vision of you be the death of me. Just love that. Such a great line. I'm going to listen to it when I get home <laughs> and cry a little bit. <laughs> Uh, that's a great album, by the way. Shane and Shane. <laughs> now I'm getting that song's view. So let the vision of you be the death of me. Hallelujah. Well, how many came to our men's group this past Sunday? That was phenomenal. Whew, we had a great time. There was a, a few points I wanted to share from that that go in line with tonight. So are you guys ready for the word? I know I gave you a little intro, but we're going to hit some scriptures now. Psalm 16, 8 was one of the catalyst scriptures for the men's group, but it fits so well for tonight. And it says this, and actually repeat this after me. Say, I have set the Lord always before me. Let's say that again. I have set the Lord always before me. One more time. I have set the Lord always before me. And then I'll read this. Because he is at my right hand and I shall not be moved. 
Do you see this? When we talk about the feet of Jesus, the reason why we need to come to the feet of Jesus is because he needs to be the lens that I see everything through. And let me even put it this way. I don't even want to see what's past him. I only want to live my life based off what he is saying to me and the countenance of his face. If he is ever before me and I'm at his feet, I can't see what's behind him. And actually, the more we live this life, I don't want to see what's behind him anymore. I want him to lead me. And now we need to know what the Bible reveals prophecies and things. We need to know what's happening, but I want to know what he's saying in the moment, not my best prophetical guess. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? That we can get so caught up. Do you know how many prophets have words? That's why it's so important. You get with a, 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 a body that is sound, knowing, but believes in the fivefold ministry. I believe in the prophetic. I believe it, but I do believe there's a lot of pathetic too. If a prophet needs to give you a business card, they're not a prophet. Business card profits, no good. Now, if a prophet gives a really word that confirms, you can ask them for their business card. <laughs> But we got to be watchful. It's so, we have so much access to content. You could just type in YouTube. What are the prophets saying about 2020? Oh, have fun with that one. That's why you need to, when we hear of certain men and women of God that are tested and proven, I want to hear the prophet they recommend. Or I want to hear certain things. And you test the spirits. Test the spirits. Does anybody know that the Bible said a spirit of discernment? You wouldn't need as much deliverance if you had discernment. <laughs> discernment. It's a gift that we can operate in. But we need to desire it. Instead of just feeding ourselves. I don't even know how we got on this. But this is just, it's helping somebody tonight. But we need to have the lens of Christ. Now, because we have set the Lord before us, I was thinking about this, that when I think about humility, that's where I go to when it comes to the feet of Jesus. Do you know how much it takes for a man or a woman to admit that their whole life is wrong? No wonder the gospel's offensive right? But the American culture has made the gospel, come to God and I'll give you anything you want. <laughs> I don't remember Jesus saying that, but, but somebody could point it out to me. I would love it. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. He says, I've come to give you life and give it to you more abundantly, but who is life? He is not your definition of the great American life. He didn't say, I've come to give you the American dream and more of the American dream. No, he's come to give you the kingdom. And I love what Dr. Keenan Bridges said last night. He said, Jesus didn't come to change the earth. He came to change your world. And that we can live in a different world, but still be on this earth. Amen. We're not, this isn't our home. Amen. Does anybody get excited about that? Does anybody think about heaven sometimes? We're all going to just, God's going to do solos. We're all going to be like, God's, how many can't wait to hear God sing? God's greatest hits. It's going to be amazing. He's got this great one called Dom Song. I can't wait to hear it. You see what I'm saying? Like, we got to look forward to these things. Because it's our home. That's where we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. But when it comes to humility, I want to remind you, Philippians 2, if you're taking notes, read this, memorize it, Philippians 2, 5 through 11. And it goes on to say that, let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who did not consider it robbery to be made equal with, with God, but he humbled himself and became obedient even to death 
upon the cross. And God has given him the name which is above every name and exalted him to the highest place. But it took humility. I love the phrase where it says in verse 8, it says, he humbled himself and became obedient. You can't be obedient unless you're first humble. And I, I asked if anybody had a slingshot in our leadership. I wanted to show everybody. Everybody's like, what is he going to do up there? <laughs> but a slingshot, just think about this. As soon as you think of a slingshot, who do you think of in the Bible? David. You want to talk about humble? Think about this. He's anointed a king as a young boy. Could you imagine a teenager boy finding out he's king? Mom, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm king. I'm not taking the trash out. I'm the king. Could you imagine a teenager in our society finding out they're the president? David finds out he's a king, and you know what he does? He keeps honoring his parents, and he stays out in the field and watches the sheep. Keeps them. He humbles himself, even knowing. Do you know what that reminds you of Jesus? He knew who he was, but he humbled himself still. David knew who he was. He was a king, but he never prematurely stepped into that. But here's the thing is, how did he defeat the giant with a slingshot? Think about this. If I wanted to use a slingshot to shoot something as far as I could in the air, up, what would I have to do? I have to pull it down. And the farther I wanted it to go, the further I have to pull it down. Are you getting this? So many of you, so many of us, even myself included, Lord, why can't I just do this now? Why can't, I, why can't I be here? Why can't I go to this next point? And the Lord says, lower. Go lower, son. Go lower, daughter. Trust me. I'm going to catapult you. Trust me. Come to my feet. And we're like, no, no, Lord. I want to I do this now. I want to do it. He's like, lower. 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 And as he keeps pulling down, he uses David as the example. He was so humble that he, his humility was when he stood before Goliath. His humility was the strength of that shot because the Lord had pulled him back so far. And prophetically, he used the object and it went and it destroyed the giant. But here's the thing. It didn't just destroy a giant before him. It destroyed the giant of a nation. The reason the Lord needs you to become more humble is because it's not just about what you're facing, you're calling. It's about a nation. It's about the world. And that's why as soon as you enter the equation, you're costing, you're costing so much. But when you get low, low, there's time. People are going to talk bad about you. When you're, and let's go there. Luke chapter 10. This is, is that helping anybody? The most dangerous manifestation of the devil is selfishness. The most dangerous manifestation of the devil is selfishness. Selfishness will destroy you. When you have eyes for him, he has your, he knows how to Fulfill your best interest better than you ever could with your own selfish, like even your greatest ideas that would be selfishly inspired. He knows how to get you there. But in Luke chapter 10, this is one of the greatest stories about the feet of Jesus that I want to hit on. It says this, now it happened as they, and I'm starting in verse 38, if I didn't say, I apologize. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. It says, now it happened as they went that he and entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. I brought this up weeks ago. Isn't it amazing? Martha welcomed him in. 
But the story ends up being all about Mary. But Martha's the one that let him in the house. She was, she was great. Everybody's like, oh, I don't want to be a Martha. Martha was cool. She let Jesus in the house. I've heard people say that nothing would get done in the church if it wasn't for Martha. But I'm pretty sure Martha said that. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> we gotta, <laughs> we, gotta, <laughs> we gotta watch this. Verse 39. It says she had a sister called Mary. Now everybody look at this. Who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Do you know what also means? That means Martha was sitting at the feet of Jesus. So you got to read the whole thing. It wasn't just Martha was off. She was there too with Mary. Where are they at? Feet of Jesus. They let Jesus into their home and they go to his feet. Is this supposed to be our response? When Jesus enters the house, go to his feet. Go to his feet. Not his hands. Go to his feet. That's where it makes clarity comes. Adoration goes forth. And they heard his word, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Now, isn't this amazing that Martha's the one that left? But she's accusing them, her sister, of leaving her. This is what happens when you get busy in life that you start getting offended and blaming everybody that's not helping you. You got to catch this. This is going to get people free tonight. There are people even in this room, and I'm not trying to be mean. We just got to call it out so you get free. There's people in this room that you're doing extra things right now, and you're wondering why nobody is helping you or cares. If you need people's attention... God doesn't have yours. Why aren't they helping me? Don't they know what I'm doing? Are you doing it unto him? Because I'm going to show you where I'm going with this. It's not just that's the end. Jesus answered and said to her, now who was she, who was she accusing? Mary. Mary doesn't even get a chance to rebuttal. Do you know why? Because when you're at the feet of Jesus, Jesus defends you. You don't have to give an excuse for why you're at the feet of Jesus. You don't have to give an excuse. This, is, this, is, this happens to me a lot where people, I'll even have, there could be people that are upset with me and I don't even know because I'm at the feet of Jesus. I don't even know. Has anybody been there before? You find out that you, you may have offended somebody and things like that, but you don't even realize because you're at the feet of Jesus. And, I, and, and what, what happens is what we do is we, that's why Jesus said, even pray for your enemies or pray because we all want everybody at the feet. Martha, come back. It's amazing. It's amazing. We don't have to care what everybody thinks or says because he fulfills everything in my heart. Is this helping anybody? Because the more you're concerned with what other people aren't doing, you, it reveals you're not convinced of what he's done. If you're more concerned about what other people aren't doing for you, it reveals that you don't, you don't truly believe what he's done in you, for you. This is, the, you see, these are the type of messages where it helps because now we have to really we got to do some self-application, some self-inventory, even myself. That's why. But I want, him to con I want him to consume my gaze, not my problems, not the things that are bothering me. If I can't take what's bothering me and throw it at the feet of Jesus, it's an idol. If I can't throw what's bothering me down, it's an idol. In the church, idols aren't going to be statues. They're going to be offenses. I want to drop this one on you. While Martha was making an Ishmael sandwich, Mary was feasting on the promise. While Martha was making an Ishmael sandwich, 
Mary was feasting on the promise. Serving is amazing and we're called to do it, but there is not a greater service than to sit at the feet of Jesus. You can serve in your greatest capacity at the feet of Jesus. When I do anything for anyone, my family, when I, when I play with my daughter, I'm at the feet of Jesus. Amen. You know why? Because I'm anointed to be a dad. I'm anointed to be a father. When I go on a date with my wife, which we need more of, Jesus, pray for us. <laughs> when I go on a date with my wife, I'm anointed to sit at the feet of Jesus and talk with my wife. Do you know what my wife and I like to talk about more than anything? Jesus. It's the best. Isn't it awesome? <laughs> Don't you love hanging out with people that want to talk about the only thing that matters? The only one that matters? It's, I'm not making this up. This transformation can take place in your life. You could think it's got to be more than that. It's got to be more than just Jesus. I'm sorry. You're deceived. He's everything. I don't know if he could have made it any clearer. He pretty much gave himself every name that you need in life. I'm the bread. I'm the living water. I'm the door. You know, I just need God to open a door for me. He's the door. I just really believe him for an open door. You need capital D door. Just in a dark season. He's the light. I just feel dead lately. He's the resurrection. I just feel lost. He's the shepherd. You know what I'm saying? He is everything you need. Amen. We need to know this in our hearts because we think we don't, the reason we're failing is we don't know enough principles. No, you don't know him fully. And we're learning daily how to walk in this. Amen. Whew. You got time for just a few more? And then the reason I want to let the Lord truly, I just feel like there's such a call to the feet of Jesus tonight. Sometimes you can feel like, it just seems like you do altar calls every week. Yes. Yes. Because we want the altar constantly full of burning sacrifices. <laughs> burning hearts for him. I, I, when we, uh, I was talking to Michael Dow recently, again, and we were talking about just some things coming up. And he was saying that he's like, I don't care when I was growing up, I didn't care if the sermon that was being preached was on marriage restoration. When I was single, I would run to the altar and they'd be like, well, this is for Mary. He's like, I don't care. I want Jesus. You know what I'm saying? That, that there's a hunger that takes place in people all of a sudden where I don't even care what you preached on tonight. If, 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 if the altar is where I want to be, I don't even need an invitation. I'm going to run to wherever I can just put my flesh under and lift him up. I don't care what I look like. And that's what we're going to get into at the feet of Jesus now. Because Jesus wants your dignity. He wants your nice, polite praise. He wants your nice, dignified golf clap. <laughs> He wants to be an inferno on the inside of you. He wants to take you to a place where, I, I, I don't know about you, but I get to a place where like, Lord, what, what else could I do? Like, can I, can I, can I spin for you, Lord? <laughs> can I do a cartwheel for you, Lord? Lord, help anybody near me. But you know what I'm saying? You just, you just, you get to this place where you jump out of yourself because you are so thankful and this world wants to domesticate us to be casual about what he's done, to be, have restriction. Like, I want to be a, a part of a group of people that when the name of Jesus gets mentioned in power, we erupt, that he is our king. If he entered the room, how would we respond? Oh, that was great. <laughs> 
that was great. That was great. You know, it was really good tonight. You know, I really liked when you talked about that, Jesus. I was, no! When he shows up, it's not even what he says. His presence says everything. His presence is the sermon. Let him in. And some, to our natural minds, sometimes we don't understand this, but it's being, it's being vulnerable in a relationship saying, God, I don't know everything about you, but I desire to know you more. Would you reveal yourself to me? And I humbly ask, I'm not asking because I need you to prove something to me. I'm asking because I, I want to, I want to know you more. You don't believe a father that loves you is not going to respond to vulnerability like that, to genuineness like that. So if you go to Matthew 15, I'm just going to give you a few passages. How many, is this blessing anybody tonight? I almost feel like we might have to talk more about this because it's, it's growing in me as I'm speaking. Real quick, as you're turning there, the three things that Jesus pointed out, he said, Mary has chosen the one thing. You just got to pause there for a second. When the king of kings, the creator, the one that hung the stars up in the sky, the one that paints the sunset, when he says one thing, your ears should perk up a bit. Just saying. We should be like, one thing? What is she doing? She's sitting at his feet. How can that be the one thing? How is that productive? Mary, make a sandwich, do something. She's speechless. He's everything. She's, she's there and she's adoring. And then he said she's chosen the good part. How many people know when God says good, it's pretty important. That's how he created the world. Good was his exclamation point for creation. Like even if something wasn't good, he said good and it became good. <laughs> That's a paraphrase, but you know what I'm saying? Like when he says good, signature of heaven is good, but we've just made good, good burger, good juice, you know, good time. <laughs> when God says good, it's a signature of heaven. He said she's chosen the good part. And then he says this, it will not be taken from her. That's why it's important we realize you don't spend time with God, you invest time. Because anything you spend is a waste. You invest time in the presence. But in Matthew 15, verse 29, it says this, and I really encourage you all to look up feet in the Bible. And it's amazing when you just get locked into a, a study. But in Matthew 15, 29, it says, Jesus departed from there. You know where he departed from? He departed from a Gentile region. And if you're not familiar with Gentile means in the Bible, Gentile is a region full of heathen, heathen. And that means people that are living it up for the world. Just people that are just straight up sinners. They worship idols. They just, they don't care about any type of ritual. No, they don't respect Jewish history, culture, or anything. They don't care about God. They just do it. Feels good to them. Carnal people. If it feels good, I'm going to do it. Has anybody been there before? You know, and Jesus is leaving there, but he's actually still in the region because I want to point that out. He skirted the Sea of Galilee and went up on the mountain and sat there. Isn't it amazing? Jesus would go up on the mountain and get alone with God. Can I encourage everybody here, if you don't enough, you should go on dates with God. Like every day get alone with God, but there should be times in your schedule where maybe you just need to go. And that could be difficult for families and things like that. I get it. But you got to find time to go on a date with God. And just get alone with him. Commune with him. Thank him. So Jesus gets alone and he sat there because he's resting. And then a great multitude came to him, having with them the lame, blind, mute, maimed, and many others. And they laid them down at Jesus' feet and he healed them. 
So the multitude marveled when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed made whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. Now, this is a Gentile region. So these are unbelievers bringing the sick to Jesus. Now, here's what I want you to see about there being a price coming to the feet of Jesus. Think about this. Jesus went up on a mountain, and he's resting on a mountain, and these unbelievers, they are carrying sick people up a mountain. That shows they believe something about this guy. You know what I'm saying? The unbelievers are carrying sick people up a mountain because they know Jesus is there. And you know what they do is they put people at the feet of Jesus. And this is, this, we don't realize that people pay a price to come to the feet of Jesus. And sometimes we just want to, Lord, I just need this right now. I just like, he was up on a mountain. His presence rested somewhere and there was a price attached to it. And now I, I want you to hear me. Jesus paid it all that the price has been fulfilled, but there's things in your life that he wants to prune off. There's things that still need to be sanctified in your life and in your thought processes. And he, when you, he wants you to get to his feet, but there's a price attached to that. There's things that need to come off. Isn't that phenomenal when you see that these, and it says he healed them all. And what, and did you notice it doesn't say they all said, oh, this Jesus guy is amazing. They glorified God, which means that he gave all the glory to God. Why he was, he didn't say, oh, I, I'm Jesus and I have the biggest healing ministry. Here's my, you know, everybody follow me, follow me on, you know, social media and, you know, make sure you follow, you know, it wasn't anything like that. He just saw that these unbelievers, they came and they brought people to the feet of Jesus. Should this be our heart? Should we want to carry people to the feet of Jesus? Carry them with, with our words. Tell them that if you just understood what was there, there's treasure at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Go to Mark 5.22. Say, Jesus, take my dignity. Does anybody remember? I think it was an old David Crowder song. I'll become even more undignified than this. Remember, that's what David said when the presence of God entered the temple. And his, his wife said, oh, the king looked really great today, dancing out there in his skibbies before the Lord. And David said, pretty much, you ain't seen nothing yet, but baby <laughs> Ain't seen nothing yet. Can we all... I, I prophesy and decree over you that there's going to be such miracles that blossom in your life that you are going to, you are going to praise yourself out of your mind. You are going to see things come to pass. You are going to lay hands on people and see people recover from fatal diseases. You're going to see people get out of wheelchairs and you're not going to just be able to sit there. You are going to go bonkers and praise the Lord. There is no such thing. I, I love what Michael Culliano said recently when we went, he said, I've never seen somebody get out of a wheelchair in a balanced way. He said, I've never seen a demon get cast out in a balanced way. The church is always like, we just need to find balance. You know, we don't want to get too radical. No, tell me what Jesus wasn't radical about. He's radical about healing. He's radical about the Holy Ghost. He's radical about you. He's radical. We got to be passionate about what we believe in and do it with a smile. We're not, we're not beating people up with the Bible. We're showing them life. We said this a while ago, you can preach Jesus all you want, but until your character does, no one will listen. You can preach Jesus all you want, but until your character does, no one will listen. So that's why the greatest miracle is a transformed life, but a transformed life, signs and wonders will follow. You work on your heart, he'll perform the miracles. Oh, that was good. You work on your heart, he'll perform the miracles. You pursue his heart, he'll perfect yours. Hallelujah. Mark 5, 22. I'm having a good time. The Lord is here. This is amazing. People are falling in love with Jesus. 
There's nothing more important. Mark 5.22, it says, <laughs> And behold, one of the rulers of the synagogue came, Jairus by name, or Jairus, and when he saw him, he fell at his feet. I want to bring this up. Everyone say repentance. Repentance is the gateway. You didn't have to repeat, but it's fine. I, I didn't say it was my fault. You guys were being so obedient. It's amazing. The humility here is phenomenal. But uh, <laughs> it was beautiful. It was beautiful. But when we come to his feet, the repentance is literally the gateway to the feet of Jesus. Repentance is the greatest gift given to mankind. Did you know that? that isn't it amazing that we can repent of our sin? Yes, sin. Not just boo-boo. You hear what I'm saying? The gospel, people try to water it down like you just made a mistake. No, it's sin. Because if you don't own it, you can't surrender it. If you excuse, because the lighter we make it, the lighter we'll esteem the cross. The lighter we esteem sin, the less we'll honor the payment. That's why we really need to understand wickedness and sin and the price that he paid because it causes, when we understand the price, it will cause us to live his life. We'll live worthy of the call when we know what he paid. Now, the reason I bring this up is because Jairus is a ruler of the synagogue. That means he is a Pharisee. Does anybody remember what the Pharisees in the Bible? It's kind of like a curse word to Jesus. <laughs> Pharisees, Pharisees, it's like, if, if you get called a Pharisee, that's a low blow. I'd rather get called a four-letter word than a Pharisee. You know what I'm saying? Like, you Pharisee? No! What did I do? Pharisee's like the worst, because it's like just so indoctrinated with just religion of man, customs, no intimacy with God, everything, just all legalism, all this. But J. Iris is a Pharisee. And you know he's been talking about Jesus. He's been a part of those discussions. Let's kill him. But his daughter is dying. Tragedy will bring you to the feet of Jesus. It's not God that caused the tragedy. The devil, he is the thief. Amen. The enemy is real. The devil hates you. Did you know you need to have a righteous hatred of the enemy? Every time in Proverbs, it says, it says, love good or do good. It says, hate evil. That means that just like, just rewind to what we were saying a few minutes ago, your, your hatred of evil should actually be the, the counter to your love for God. Like it should literally be equal. Your hatred of the enemy is fueled by your love for God. That's why we all can't stand to see what's going on in our nation, right? With babies being aborted all over with just the, the laws and the things that get, it should make us, it should bother us to a point where we say, we're going to humble ourselves and seek his face. And when we do that, he will heal our land but we do it his way. It starts with humility. And this man, it said Jesus just got off a boat. Do you know when Jesus gets off a boat? That means it's like a, a dirty shore. And this Pharisee was probably wearing his, his Sabbath day best. He was wearing his nice robe that he wanted everybody to, to celebrate him. But he gets on his feet or he gets on his knees and goes before the feet of Jesus he says, will you come to my daughter? And Jesus doesn't say, you dumb Pharisee. Because at the feet of Jesus, at the feet of Jesus, mercy and grace flow. They flow. It doesn't matter if you've committed the most heinous sins. You've done evil to people. There's, we could go around the room and we could see whose testimony is the most impressive, who's been through the worst things. It doesn't matter what it's been. When you come to the feet of Jesus, he says, I love you. And 
this man, he comes and he bows with all these things and he could have, Jesus could have easily said, you hate me. I'm not going to help your daughter. But Jesus knows that this man's repentance, now he's like, now she's my daughter. Because you're partnering with him. When you come to the feet of Jesus, he takes your problems on. And he says, now let me fix it. Thank you for coming to my feet. Amen. Repentance. Hallelujah. Just make sure we hit these scriptures. Mark 7, 25. Oh, I love this one. This might even, we'll, we'll see. This is a good one right here. How many people are thankful for the teaching of the word? You know what I'm saying? Like, we got to celebrate, we got, but then we need to be reproved, corrected, get the word in our hearts. Amen. Another Gentile, another heathen. It seems like heathen, a, a, a while ago when I was studying the feet of Jesus, this was like a decade ago, I remember the Lord said, or I heard this unction in my heart, and it was religion put nails in his feet, but sinners kissed his feet. We don't realize how hungry the world is for Jesus. And the reason why is because we try to minister to people with church language instead of Holy Ghost language. You don't need a whole thing to say to people. You just need a relationship with him. When I'm introducing Jackie to people, like, what if I went up, you know, what if I come up to Ashley and, I'm, and she's never met Jackie before and I'm just like, um, Jackie's about um, five foot eight. She's got blonde hair. Like, what if I just gave like a bio about, just a description about her? No, if somebody asks me who my, it's like, my wife is amazing. She saves me 100% of the time. She's always on it. You got to meet her. Like, I'm not going to just give a dumb description of statistics. No, I'm going to give my experience in a conversation and it's going to attract people to want an experience. Like they're like, I really want to meet your wife. She sounds awesome. I was like, well, you can't have her, but we can go out to, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, but you see is that when you talk about Jesus, it should be attractive. It should be contagious. It shouldn't be this robotic thing. You, you know, like, please come to my church. Like Roy was saying last week, we have joy there. Or, you know, it's like just something, you know, like my cheeks hurt so bad from last week, by the way. Oh, man. He should seriously do stand up. Like for the Lord, it would be amazing. He pretty much does, but it's amazing. But it's so true where people are just so robotic, so statuesque. And it's because they have the fear of what people think. If you fear him, you won't fear anybody else. And you just keep that and you just love on people. But I, I say that because this is another heathen, verse 24. And it's amazing how Jesus was drawn to them. Remember the Pharisees even said, you, you hang out with the, the drunks. You hang out with all these people. And, and why was Jesus there? Because they wanted to see the miracles more than the Pharisees did. The Pharisees wanted to kick him out of the temple. And Jesus is like, all right, well, we'll have service in the bars. You got to watch where your conviction is before you go do that. <laughs> Make sure that's not a temptation for you. But hey, preach. You know, we got to preach. You know, we, we, uh, ATM back in the day, that was a college and career group. We got, I remember a, a few of us, like Joe Navarre is here, and like uh, Joe Turnbull, we would, we would go into bars down in Main Street and just start preaching to people. And I know Tony and Bob, I mean, we all, we all, at different times, we all were hitting the streets, visiting heroin addicts under the bridges. And people are hungry for Jesus. More so than a lot of the people that go to church every Sunday. They're fine with a nice, uncrustable. They just need an uncrustable and they're good. 
I need the manna. I need a daily relationship. I want to be with him every day. And if I go to Wawa and order in a sub, you need to hear about Jesus. You know how great he is. People ask me all the time, why are you so happy? Thank you for asking. You actually don't even have to preach. Because when people see it on you, it opens it up. But you still should preach. But I'm just saying that you, you'll be beaming. You'll go into places and everybody's probably wearing a mask. <laughs> That's another. <laughs> Jesus is Lord with unveiled face. There's a scripture for it. Unveiled face. We love you all. Just watch. So, uh, Mark 7, and then this is, we will, we'll wrap, we'll, we'll, you see where I'm at. But uh, my wife always tells me, she's like, you, don't, you shouldn't rush, you shouldn't rush. She always helps me. She's like my biggest fan. I love you. She's awesome. She's amazing. Mark 7, verse 24, it says, From there he arose and went to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and he entered a house and wanted no one to know it but he could not be hidden. Has anybody felt like that before? <laughs> I don't want anybody to see me right now. Like Jesus even had moments like that. Get him away. <laughs> it's like, I'm done with Peter for today. He's like, Peter says one more word. He's like, I just don't want to deal with anybody right now. It says he was tempted in all points as we are, yet without sin. <laughs> so Jesus, I apologize if I'm speaking for you, but just he wanted to be alone. That's what the scripture said. He wanted to be alone. But a woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard about him and she came and fell at his feet. Is there any parents in the house that just know that when something's wrong with your child, a switch goes off in you and you'll do anything? How much more do you believe God has that switch for the lost right now? I'll do anything for my daughter. And God shows me, I'll do anything for you times a million what you think you would do for your daughter. And here, Jesus doesn't want to be bothered. I'm, it's Dom translation. Doesn't want to be bothered. He says, and this woman comes in because she has, her daughter needs something. And she's going to bust in. And it says the woman was a Greek by birth and she kept asking him to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus said to her, let the children be filled first for it is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. What? Jesus, that's not polite. That is not nice. You could have said it differently. But it's so amazing here because she answered and said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs under the table eat from the children's crumbs. Now, this woman, we saw in verse 25, she fell at his feet. Do you know what happens at the feet of Jesus? He actually, I almost fell off. I was going to need to, but at the feet of Jesus, at his feet, He's going to deal with anything that you're offended by. She came to his feet and there was a price. She had to get through a fence to get a miracle. And it had to do with her, her culture. It had to do with her identity as where she was. Because he said, no, this is first for the, the Jews, not for you. He was calling her out on her culture. He was trying to say, you can't have it because of who you are. He's dealing with her identity at his feet. And she in that moment could have just been like, well, forget you. I'm at your feet. But she, she said that even if I could have a crumb of what you're doing, it would be enough. Jesus it literally says that he was amazed that, that this was like, he gave her the miracle. And it's, we have to get this in our hearts that the Lord wants to deal with things in your past. Like you just think that there's, 
certain things you believe in or certain things. And he's dealing with those things and he deals with them at his feet when you come to him. It's not just, it's not just Dr. Pepper falling from the sky and gumdrops. It's not just warm, cuddly feelings all the time. God wants to deal with things in your heart. And when you come to his feet, he's going to say, no, this needs to come off. This isn't who you are. Are you willing to lay that down so I can give you me? So I can entrust you with all that I am. Because yes, I have paid for it, but you are holding on to things. And it was, it was multiple weeks ago, but Guy um, gave a great example when he did an offering message a while ago. And he, what he did is he held something in his hand and he held it in his hand. And the only way that somebody could put something else in his hand is if he let this go. And we don't realize that when we're holding on to things, it inhibits us from receiving everything God has for us, even though he's freely given it all. You don't realize the things you're holding on to until you get vulnerable before the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to fire these off and then we're good. In, in, in Luke chapter 835, you don't even have to turn there, but it was the man that was possessed by a legion. And isn't it amazing? This is just a side note, but the devil, the, did you notice that when they were asked what their name was, you know what they, they didn't say, they didn't say this like, oh, well, this is Mr. Mr. Big Devil, and this is, you know, the devil of this and the devil of this. They're all in unity. Even the demons have unity. Why can't the body of Christ have unity? Even the demons, they all identify as legion. Just legion. But we're like, well, this is bishop so-and-so, and this is, you know, uh, you know, reverend so-and-so, and we got to try to have titles and things like that. But what happens is the unity in the body of Christ that when the devil is trying to come at the church, we just respond, we're the bride. We're the bride. And there's authority in that unity. And even the devil will know you. Remember when he calls out, he says, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? I want to be part of the body. I want to be part of the bride with the power. Amen. But in that story, it says that when he got all the demons, the legion cast it out, you know what it says? He was sitting in his right mind at the feet of Jesus. Isn't that a great scripture? At the feet of Jesus, you're in your right mind because you have his mind. He's on your mind. Amen. Hallelujah. This is where we'll close. Luke 7. As you're camping there. Isaiah 40, 31 says this. It says, but those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. There are so many people like we were talking about with humility that just aren't willing to wait. We don't realize that waiting for him is the training that gets you supernatural strength. Your capacity to wait for him will reveal the strength that you will walk in your call. Anybody that prematurely steps into destiny, to calling, they have no strength that will sustain them. Because your strength is renewed by waiting. That's why we have people, you know, people say it a lot, like, you know, it's amazing how long, you know, services could be or how things like that. But when we're waiting on the spirit of God and we honor our strength, we become supernaturally stronger. When you are in the presence of God, you become, it's a supernatural strength that sustains you to do everything God's equipped you to do when you're willing to wait. How many people can't wait? That is like, our culture is impatient. It's actually, that's why fast food, everybody wants church to be like a fast food restaurant. Like just everybody drive around real quick. You know, here's your happy meal, go home. Oh, that was a great service today. I think they were even under 50 minutes today. That was amazing. Like it's an accomplishment. Somehow we're getting graded in heaven for how, how much we can get in a little bit of time. Now, I'm not here to say God can't do a lot in a little bit of time. He absolutely can. But I want to wait. I want to be very conscious to the presence. I want to be a people that waits, that are conscious to him. Amen? Supernatural strength. So this is the last thing. Starting in verse 36. 
Then one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. These Pharisees again. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in that city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil. I have to stop for a second. I just got this. But when, when Jesus goes to this house, everybody knows he knows all things. The Pharisee asked him to come to the house, but he wasn't going to the house for the Pharisee. He was going to the house for the sinner. And I want to say that to people because the Lord may be speaking to you to even enter a religious environment to be a missionary to the sinners in a religious environment. You don't, you, you don't even know what could be happening. You could, there could be just something, your family could be really religious, things like that. And the Lord is dealing with you and helping you get that one cousin or that one that's like hooked on drugs and things like that. And you need to stay faithful. You need to pray. You need to see, you're about to see, we're about to see prodigal sons and daughters come home like never before. The, I actually speak this, that the person you least expect in your family to give their life to the Lord will be the first one. You are about to see it happen, that you are going to see somebody that was on a horrible trail completely turn around. Now, keep going. Verse, this woman brought the fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head. And worship team, you can come forward, and we'll just uh, paint the atmosphere with, with just beautiful praises, with the hair of her head. Now it's important that a woman's hair represents her glory. A woman's hair actually represents their glory. And she washes his feet with her tears and wipes them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, anointed them with fragrant oil. This is amazing that she doesn't even come in and say, everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I have a great relationship with Jesus. Everybody look at me, how I worship. Here's my flag. I'll hit you in the head with it. Like it's not, she didn't come in and make this huge spectacle about me, me. She just comes in and she goes to his feet. She doesn't even want to bother the master with a con She just comes in and she starts, she goes to his feet and she takes her hair. She doesn't have a towel, but her hair represents her glory. She, she gives all the glory to God. And when you cry in the presence, it's really just revelation streaming down your face. And when you cry in the presence of God for the gratitude and the thanksgiving, her tears represented her past. It represented all these things. And she uses that to wash his feet, uses her hair, anoints with this oil. And then it says the Pharisees who invited him, they spoke, they said, if only this man were, if he were really a prophet, he would know who's touching him. He would know that this is completely wrong. But Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. How many people know when God says that you're in trouble? I have something to say to you. He said, teacher, say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, you have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore, I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Then he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Let me ask you something. Did the woman ever ask for her sins to be forgiven? When you come to the feet of Jesus, you get even the things that you didn't know to ask for. At the feet of Jesus, everything is there. Even the things that you don't know how to say yet, 
even the things. Has anybody been there before where you're like, Lord, I just know you're calling me. I know there's something, but I just don't know what to, to do. And he's like, it's okay. He's like, I'll show you. Pray in the spirit because you don't know what to pray. That's why the gift of the Holy Spirit's amazing. You need to, we, we talked about this Sunday too. Praying in the spirit's one of the most humble things you can do because you don't know what you're saying. You're literally humbling yourself. Like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm just gonna pray. It's yielding yourself. But you see all these things happen at the feet of Jesus. He deals with offenses. There's a price that's attached to it. There's so many things, but was anybody blessed by seeing this tonight, going through these scriptures and seeing what takes place at the feet of Jesus? Would anybody, has ever anybody been reminded how we need to go to the feet of Jesus? And live there. You can live there in your affection even while you're walking around, while you're driving. You can live at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. And everybody that's watching online, thank you for being a part of this tonight and share this with your families. Share it all over whatever platforms you can.